Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited to have our first and only female on for this month while we're exploring Houston beers. We're going to be talking to Tara Love, the owner at Social Beer Garden Houston. And things really are bigger in Texas because apparently her beer garden is about the size of a city block. And we're going to be tasting the proper pills from Spindle Tap Brewing. It's a delicious classic Czech Pilsner. I can't wait to share this beer with you and this entire episode. It was a super fun one, so stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome to the Brews Less Traveled podcast in Beer Club. I am your craft beer loving host who loves hats as well, Molly Lamb. I am back in Houston, Texas. I have my awesome co-host, Glenn, with me here. Glenn, how you doing? You want to say hello? I'm doing good. Hello, everyone. Uh, great to be back here once again to taste another great, uh, find a little bit more about Houston, taste some great more Houston beer. All of our beer club members always get very fun gifts in their beer boxes. I know a lot of you got some super fun things from the breweries. There was a variety of different things, including like keychains and stickers. I got a bunch of stickers in mine. They were awesome. I collect brewery stickers, so I'm excited. So really fun. Thank you to all the breweries that participated in that and giving all of our beer club members awesome gifts as always. So we also have an amazing guest tonight, our first and only female that's going to be on our Houston month, Tara Love, the owner at Social Beer Garden Houston. And we're going to be drinking the proper pills from Spindle Tap. I'm so excited. I love a Pilsner. I love a slow pour pills. I think it gives just like this beautiful kind of meringue head on it. So if I'm if I'm at a brewery and they're doing a slow pour pills, I'm ordering that. Just the head on it is just gorgeous, like beautiful meringue style. I think it is lovely to look at and to taste. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, but the, uh, the, the about slow pour pills, I, my really only experience with slow pour, generally speaking, has been with Guinness. Uh, because if you're especially when I, I spent a little bit of time in Ireland, I've seen some places in the States, but it was it was like a religion there uh, when they were when they were uh, pouring it. You, they basically pour half of it and there's no tilting of the glass. This is like really this having the foam subside at a very natural rate where you pour it up about half. You leave it on the on the tap until it subsides and then you pour the rest of it. I think uh, it take, probably takes a full two minutes to go through this process. And I'm imagining slow pour pills is something uh, pretty similar because one of the things I've been reading about this is it's great because not only does it sort of release the aroma uh, and, and releasing that CO2 out, it actually gives the beer itself more of a creamy mouthfeel, uh, less watery than you would generally have with a Pilsner. Absolutely. You're totally right, Glenn. And it's really cool to kind of watch them do that because, yeah, it's like the handle instead of coming out, it'll typically go to the side and they just like pressure it down in the middle, yeah. stop it, and then kind of pressure it more, pour it really hard. And then it just kind of builds this beautiful meringue style head on the beer and getting more of that nucleation gets that aroma right up into your nose. And as we all know, so much of aroma leads to taste. They say about 80% of your smell actually 
is your taste as well. So when you can smell something, you can taste it better. That's why when you were little and your mom would give you yucky medicine and you would hold your nose, it helped you not taste it as much. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I think one thing I love about a slow pour Pilsner is it adds this class and delicacy to a Pilsner, mm-hmm. a beer that a lot of us in the U.S. think is a very sort of simple or basic style of beer. And it's not. It's actually the number one beer that is consumed in the entire world. And honestly, I really judge a brewery based on their Pilsner because you cannot hide behind any fault. It is such a crisp, clear, beautiful beer. You really can't hide behind anything. It's simple and simple is good. Simple does not mean low brow. Simple does not mean easy. It typically means dedication and perfection. And I find that with a lot of Pilsners, you know, with IPAs, and I say this as a very big IPA lover, you can kind of hide behind the hops. You know, if a brewer makes a mistake, which they do because they are people, they can do something called hopping it out and just kind of like throw a bunch of hops in there to sort of disguise a flaw. So something I love about a Pilsner is the fact that you really, if you mess it up, you got to scratch the whole batch because you're going to taste that flaw. And I really feel like the whole idea of the slow pour Pilsner adds this beauty, grace, and elegance to something that a lot of people see as a very simple beer. I think it just adds such a beauty to it. So yeah, thank you for that explanation, Glenn. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I wonder why, since it is such a, a the, I think the reason it's been maligned is because uh, all the macro breweries do such a, uh, uh, not necessarily simple, but they just do uh, an adequate version of it. And so that's why I think it's perhaps been denigrated, especially because that that's all we've had is American beer is a not very good Pilsner for the long for for so much of post prohibition uh, beer drinking in America. But yeah, but yeah, no, that is that is so true, though. All right, Glenn, speaking of Pilsners, you want to crack open this proper pills from Spindletap? Oh, I really do. And also, as we're doing this, I want to mention uh, there's a name you might have recognized in the chat. I'm sure we'll be getting into some of this as we talk about Spindle Tap. Uh, but uh, another, let's just said another Glenn in the chat you might have noticed uh, mentioned that the first oil in Texas was called Spindle Top. Now so therefore, Spindle Tap is named after Spindle Spindle Top. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Who is this other Glenn in the chat? Will He's you my dad. He's my dad. <laughs> I love it. I had my whole family last month during Birmingham because they're all from there. They're all tuning in. That's awesome. All right. Let's crack open the proper pills from Spindle Tap. Look at this nice, just like very classic can art. Absolutely. And speaking of slow pour, I'm going to use. Are we going to try and pour these slow? Not so, not so much of a 45 degree angle as we usually do. Yeah. And this is a nice light beer clocks in at 5% ABV a little bit more about this beer. So it is a Czech Pilsner clocking in at just about 5% ABV and it's made with traditional Czech style Pilsner hops. This beer has a little extra hop bite to it. I noticed this when I tried this at spindle tap And, you know, I feel like it's hard to not want the hops in a beer, but they went just a little bit extra with this one. And I really appreciate that they did that because it gives it that beautiful aroma 
and mouthfeel and flavor. And really, it's a beer that's made for kind of all events. I mean, if you're floating down the river, sitting by a fire, a proper pills, it's going to hit the spot. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of funny. So initially, they had an exceptional name and beer label for this beer, but they got a cease and desist. They kind of figured that was coming. They changed the name from Pilsner Urkel. So think Steve Urkel. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Well, because it was named after the original Pilsner Urkel, right? Urkel. And so, so they like were, yeah. I love it. But yeah, Urkel, Urkel's lawyers got on them. I tried this beer when I went to Houston, when I went to Spindle Tap, loved it. And I love it even more now. I am noticing the most gorgeous lacing on my Oh, yeah. I mean, that is lacing is like legs on a wine glass for all of you wine lovers. When you see it sort of stick to the glass just a touch in beer world we call that lacing and it's when that head or foam or nucleation sticks just a little bit to the glass it's just something to notice about your beer it's just something when you're sort of appraising it to take note this is a oh this is a really good pilsner i would say this is a pilsner for the ipa lover because it's got a little more body and a little bit more flavor to it the taste is great yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, Pilsner is not often my first choice of beer to have. So if we're going to ha- do a Pilsner, I'm certainly glad we're having one by a, a brewery that really knows how to do it right. This is this really makes me appreciate the style. I agree. Yeah, no, I know, Glenn, me and you were dark beer lovers, but I think this is definitely just a nice sort of contrast to that. Much respect to the Pilsner. Glenn, how's your week been? It's been great. Uh, it hasn't been incredibly busy. I mean, with the the regular job, but we uh, we had a nice uh, we had a nice uh, little beer vendors get together at uh, at Hophead Hucks the other day. Mm. Uh, tasted uh, a lot of a lot of different beers. Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I don't know if you Huck. saw the picture of the of the of the the kill wall. Uh, whenever we have a beer vendors get together, we save all the empties, pile them up as, as you know, all the beers that we have given uh, a, a, a nice funeral to by ingesting them all. And then, so we have our kill wall. <laughs> yes. I remember the kill wall days. So you guys Hophead Huck, y'all remember that was my co-host for Knoxville, Mike. And, you know, we're all New York buddies and yes, we would. Yeah. Mike, I feel like hosted quite a few beer get togethers yes. and yeah, the kill wall. It would just be a wall of all of the cans and bottles we had destroyed. There was times I was just like, we're gross. We're <laughs> like, I'm like, I drank like six beers to myself. I don't even know how I do it sometimes, but oh man, I saw that on uh, social media. It looked really fun. Yeah. There were about a half a dozen of us there. So I think, uh, you know, cool. So let's learn just a little bit more about spindle tap. This was a really fun brewery. So spindle tap brewery officially opened in 2015 and what started as a small idea quickly turned into a 20 barrel brew house. And it's actually grown into lots of 60 barrel fermenters and the brewery and tap room is part of this awesome compound where several of their other businesses exist. So besides Spindle Tap Brewery, there's also Spindle Tap Coffee, which is my other favorite beverage. They make delicious coffee and Spindle Tap Park, which was a recent 
COVID 2020 edition that covers three acres with kickball, baseball, and basketball. It's also got a nine hole putt putt golf course and disc golf and a two covered pavilion area where you can listen to music outside. This wow, place yeah. was absolutely awesome. Yeah, I know that's what the first thing you see when you go to their website is you see this big uh, mini golf uh, situation there. If that, if that was all they had, I would have been impressed. But then when I found out they had all these things like, as you said, uh, three acres with all these different activities uh, that, are, that aren't necessarily... I mean, yeah, it, it's it's funny. You, you imagine a place like that in New York, they would say, well, we can't have this much space without room for bodies. But no, they're they're stretched out playing uh, kickball, baseball, basketball, putt, putt, all of that. Pretty, uh, pretty remarkable for a brewery that just started with uh, three college roommates and a couple of homebrew buddies. I mean, it seems like it's really been a wild ride in the six years since Spindle Tap first opened their doors. And the starting lineup, as far as the beers, has changed and, and emerged. And, 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 and the diverse styles of beers they have has really made a huge impact on the local and national beer scene. The whole gang, all of them, they're committed to making the best beers and offering a unique taproom experience, unlike any other brewery. Yeah, it's such a fun spot. Everything in Houston, I noticed, was really outdoorsy. <laughs> Very focused on outdoor activities. All I wanted to do the whole time, I was like, I just want to go play putt-putt. <laughs> it's like, would it be weird if I just joined someone's putt-putt game? Like, it looked so fun. And yeah, they have this whole outdoor stage, basketball I mean, every activity, and I'm not even like a competitive person, but this place just made you want to be competitive and go do fun outdoor stuff. I really loved my experience there. And while you guys kick back and enjoy this beer, let's share a couple of fun things to do in Houston outside of all the awesome activities at Spindletop. So. Yeah. If you love taking photos for Instagram, you will have to check out the mural Instagram tour in Houston. So it's a two hour tour that will take you by all of Houston's beautiful street art. So you can get amazing photos for your gram. It's great for all ages. And I think that sounds so fun. I mean, look, I love a good selfie and anything that makes my selfie look better. I'm a fan of and Houston is super artistic. There's murals everywhere. So I think this would be fun, even if you're not super into Instagram. I think it would just be really cool to see all the street art of the city. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. If you're not, if you're looking for more than beer, this is something that all ages can enjoy. Um, another thing I really love uh, about what I'm learning about Houston is that the Astrodome isn't the only indoor venue with what is traditionally outdoor activity because there's a really cool indoor skydiving place where you can get all the thrills of skydiving without jumping out of a plane. It's called the Houston Woodlands Indoor Skydiving Facility. And if you do it, I saw these pictures of it, watched some video of it. It's like these things that look like uh, little sort of human aquariums where they just get into and you're not jumping out of a plane, but they're essentially contained wind tunnels where you can have that experience of like the, the air lifting you up. And, uh, and, and if you, if you do all check all the right boxes and do everything the right way, you can actually get a certificate after completing this, this it's a, it basically you get an hour and a half of, of really thrilling activity. Glenn, I, uh, you're right. I think you don't have to be the biggest daredevil because the, the air just carries you up. Yeah. I am such a scaredy cat though, but that actually does look like fun. I feel like on my next bruise, less traveled adventure, I got to go do one of these activities 
and then share. I'm trying to build my Instagram and share my videos of when I'm there. So y'all follow me at Molly underscore bruise less traveled, but I'm trying to like build more of a uh, fun sort of travel blog. All right, guys. Let's welcome on our guest this evening, Tara Love, the owner at Social Beer Garden Houston. Tara, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? We are so happy to have you. And we always love to start out by asking our guests what their craft beer origin story is. How did you get into craft beer? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Well, I'm old. I'm not that old. Um, So I grew up on the West Coast. I'm not I'm not a native Houstonian. Um, I've always been in the hospitality industry. So, you know, barista, bartender, you know, you name it, I've done it. Um, And it's just something that I've always really enjoyed. Um, I was lucky enough to marry a British guy and lived in London for seven years, became a citizen there really just fell in love. I, I craft beer had always been on my radar, but I really fell in love with beer culture when I lived in England. Um, in London, you just, you go to a cozy pub on a cold day and you grab a pint with your friends. All of your houses are typically small. So you all gather in like one communal area and it's, it's just a really good time. Um, we moved to to Houston because of his job. And after a few years, kind of corporate life was dragging on and we decided like, hey, let's let's buy a bar. Let's let's make the jump. Then we became small business owners and we're here. I uh, I owned a business. You and I were talking earlier today. I owned a business in New York for a while and yeah, I had a facial studio with two locations. And, and and I know that kind of stress that comes along with it, but there's nothing more satisfying than that. And it's really cool that you mentioned the beer scene in London and, you know, just kind of how it brought you together. You know, I think yeah. there's something very communal about beer and then seeing it in different cultures, I think is so fun too. I think that's really right. wonderful that you got to experience and- there and then in Houston. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of approach beer in a totally different way than we do. Uh, they have a lot of bitters there. They keep everything kind of cellar cool, which, you know, we kind of classify as lukewarm. <laughs> um, but you definitely get to see like a different aspect of the industry for sure. Yeah, it's so fascinating. This. Not only did you buy a bar, of course, you bought this, This you created a, a beer garden. I love beer gardens uh, in New York City. I live right around the corner. Since we're drinking a Czech Pills, I should feel like I should give a shout out to this. The oldest uh, beer garden in New York City, uh, only one that, that survived Prohibition, essentially, which is the Bohemian Hall uh, beer garden in, in Astoria, Queens. Um, I know uh, I've seen a lot of places that will call themselves a beer garden, but they'll, they'll barely just have a backyard, but it looks like your place is, is, is pretty much a, a true beer garden. In fact, if I read this right, you have your place is big enough that you can have a movie night and karaoke night at the same time. Oh, we can. Yeah, we have, <laughs> we have multiple events. Well, they're, on- they're doing that tonight, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, they are. They are having movie night in the back garden, but we actually take up half a city block, which is probably hard for y'all city folk to imagine. <laughs> Coming from London, I definitely didn't like envision that for myself, but it was a great opportunity. But we have about a 5,000 square foot building and then like a very large 
a backyard, probably 15,000 square feet, and then a parking lot. So about a half a city block. Um, the only thing challenging about that is we're weather dependent. <laughs> so, But that's, yeah. I love that this was, you know, you're like, we'll just, you know, start a business and you have like the biggest <laughs> business. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, we take a yeah. block. That's so cool. Yeah. It's all bigger <laughs> in Texas, Tara. I love that. That's so cool. I mean, I have a friend who has a small bar and she called us Disneyland. So that's kind of the level. It's kind of like the spindle tap of bars. Like we have the putt putt, you know, we have arcade games and pool and yeah, we do it all. Yeah. It seems like people in Houston like to be really active and is there pinball? Yeah, we have pinball. We just, we actually just traded out the pinball for like more pool. So we have like four pool tables now. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's not entirely weather dependent. You do have both outdoor and indoor spaces there. Yeah. But outdoor is the is the bulk of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a beer break. So speaking of beer gardens, how did they originate? As you might guess, they originated in Germany in about the 1500s. So it started, of course, as an extension of a brewery. And it's great because it gives breweries more space, but it started because of fire hazards, because back in the 1500s, some of the brewing equipment would catch fire. So they would actually put patrons outside for safety. Talk about drinking at your own risk. But also, because this was before refrigeration, the brewers needed to keep the loggers cold. They needed to logger them. So they would actually put the kegs in the ground and then they would cover them with gravel and then plant trees over them to keep them cold. And then someone had a great idea and thought, oh, this looks really nice and pleasant out here. Let's put some tables and chairs and allow our patrons to enjoy their beer outside. And King Ludwig was actually the one that granted brewers the right to serve beer on the premise because that used to not be allowed. So once they got permission to do that, they said, hey, let's go ahead and have people eat and drink outside. And people could actually bring their own food too. And did you know the largest beer garden that still exists in Germany today can seat 8,000 people? I would love to see that. But let's get back to the episode and hear more about Tara's beer garden. Uh, so I, I imagine you feature a lot of like great uh, local uh, beers there. What are some of the what are some of the ones you, that they're there? What are the smaller, more popular ones? Well, we have um, over 44 taps. We're actually on untapped. So you can you can see kind of our selection. We rotate often, um, but we try to carry, you know, beers that people want and are are desirable at the time. Um, right now, we we carry a lot of sours and hazy IPAs because those are kind of like the trending. I'm actually drinking um, another Spindle Tap. I did not have the pills, so I brought out um, Spindle Tap Heavy Hands, which is like a really nice hazy uh, double IPA from them. I so believe Spindle I have one Tap- of those in my refrigerator right now. It's it's a good beer. Um, now I'm wondering how many flaws it has after listening to Molly speak. <laughs> I'm like, what are they hiding with this double IPA? I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I think, you know, I don't think they're always hiding stuff when there's beautiful hop aroma and flavor. I think that it can be a great disguise. I'm not a brewer. I'm going to have brewers come after me with torches. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure well, not. It, 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 they're not always hiding it, but if they if they have something, they need to hide something in because I think I think the really best brewers are the ones who figured out how to make something traditional and do it pure and learn the craft and then start fiddling around with the other stuff. So, yeah. so what they have at their base, yeah. it's like, I guess it's kind of like you need to color inside the lines before you can, can get experimental. Oh yeah. And I am not a type a person at all. I would, if, if I were to be a brewer, I would not be making a Pilsner. I'd be, I'd be IPA, hopping out flaws all day long, turning it into something really cool, but I didn't think it would be because I like the deviation of creativity. I, yeah, I'm not good with like inside the lines. So there's beauty in, there's beauty in all forms of the way the mind works and, you know, accidents can be actually really beautiful too. You guys have a lot of events there though. I love that you do drag shows and burlesque shows. That's something my mom used to love to always go to drag shows when I was younger. So what are some of the more like popular events that you guys have there? I mean, you name two of them. So like burlesque for obvious reasons is really popular. Everyone likes really pretty women in scant clothing, right? Um <laughs> And beer and alcohol, like we have a full bar too. So, I mean, it's just kind of the perfect place for that. The drag is just pure comedy. We kind of rotate our events, like we rotate our beers. I feel like Houston, and I'm sure it's the same with New York or Tennessee or wherever you're living. There's a lot of um, competition in like populated areas. So not only are you trying to present like a great product, you have to kind of have a draw. So we are constantly kind of changing events. Like Glenn said, we have holiday movies tonight with like popcorn and then and then we have karaoke. So it's like, sometimes it's like four events. Um, this week we have a really big UFC fight, which is a big draw for a lot of people. Like beer and sports are kind of synonymous with each other, I feel like. Um, so I'm not a huge sports fan, but you know, you got to have those types of things with beer, I feel like. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, it sounds like you really get your audience, Tara. Like, it sounds like you really know who your consumer is and the people that are coming. And you have a little something for everyone. And that's not easy to do as a business owner. And I'm also curious, yeah. as a female business owner, what are some of the biggest hurdles you face in a mainly male dominated industry? Honestly, it's being taken seriously. So like I'm a middle-aged white girl with kids, they're six and eight, right? So I have like the whole just typical, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of people do this, but you know how we have that trending word like Karen you know, I'm like the typical kind of lady that fits that box. I have a bar in one of the most diverse cities in the world that caters to absolutely everybody. And they meet me and they go, you're the owner? Really? No, you're just joking. You're just a bartender. And it's like, well, I do bartend. I also bar back and, and do all the things. But no, really, I, I am the owner. So I, I, you know, I've had people tell me I'm too soft. 
um, that I won't make it in the industry because I don't have enough grit. Um, I'm not very aggressive. So it's the whole, like that is the biggest struggle is to be taken seriously in an industry that's typically male driven or, you know, it's not very family oriented. Um, yeah. My husband's the boss when, you know, like I'll be the bad guy. Like I fire people. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get that when I take, I, I go visit the cities every single month that we're discovering. And I get a lot when I talk to, when I have meetings with people, they'll say, so why did they hire you? No, I'm like, girls, you know, girls don't drink like, beer, what, are you, what are you talking about? You can't be a Cicerone. Yeah. I'm like, they actually went through dozens of interviews and then they hired me and, um, good for you for sort of rising above them and being able to, to I'm, answer I'm kind of, I'm slightly entertained. Like I actually kind of like feeling like I have like a very like low key presence, you know, like I don't tell people I'm the owner. <laughs> I just hang out and kind of observe and like watch my staff and, you know, make sure things are going well. And sometimes if I come up to a table, I'm like, Hey, how you doing? They look at me like very weirdly. <laughs> like, who are you? Do you work here? What's going on? So. I think that's really cool. It sounds like you just enjoy being in your establishment. You know, it sounds like you just enjoy being present there. You know, that's really lovely. It sounds like it kind of gives you just a peace of mind and, in a peaceful sense, just to, just to be there. And I think that's really awesome. What do you love most about owning the beer garden? Probably the people, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, Houston's super diverse. We have people from every corner of the planet here um, and just creating a space where everyone can come enjoy themselves and having events that draw in different crowds. And just you really get like a really nice vibe when you just kind of look around and you're just seeing everyone together and it's just it's really fun we try to keep it light with a lot of arts and and that type of thing and yeah just having that crowd is really cool you know and 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 i guess on the flip side of that what do you hate most about owning a beer garden the people yeah (laughs) so the same thing drunk people are really they're jerks man yeah Um, we're also full bar so like we're not like the beer garden that gets to like close at like 10 p.m like sometimes i wish we were that but like our money maker is obviously liquor so we're open till two so i get a lot of late night phone calls two three a.m so (laughs) the hours can be tough it's kind of worth it you know, it's like a, it's a fun torture. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I, I totally get it. And I'm curious, what's your ideal day off in Houston? Well, sleeping in would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Houston, Houston's actually awesome. So coming from, well, London was kind of the last city I was in. And then before that I was in San Francisco. Um, before that I was in Portland, Oregon. And so I was very anti-Texas, anti-Houston, didn't really want to come here. Um, that was that was eight years ago. 
And I realized that it's just such a wonderful arts community, such a wonderful food community. And people are really just nice and chill. And like you said, that they, they want to be outside. They want to be active. So I'd probably go get breakfast tacos at like my favorite breakfast taco stand because you can't leave here without having Tex-Mex in your life. <laughs> and then um, we have some great just art collections and museums. So I'd probably go to the Manil collection or the Rothko Chapel, which was a chapel designed by Rothko. It's really peaceful and serene. And then just, you know, probably go to a local brewery. We have, I have a great, great local brewery just around the corner, like literally half a, half a mile or less from my house called Senate Avenue. And just, you know, hanging out with friends and drinking a beer. That sounds great. That is honestly my ideal day off too. Tara, as we wrap up, it is time for our rapid fire questions. We always change these up every single month. So the idea is to not think, just answer. Tara, are you ready? Okay. They're not hard. Okay. Barrel aged stouts or pastry stouts? Pastry. What's your best stocking stuffer beer? I've never put beer in a stocking. <laughs> Good answer. So if we're going Christmas themed, I just, we just stocked a beer called, you got to look this one up. It's called Seasick Crocodile by Prairie Artisan Ales. Oh, and I love like Prairie. Awesome, it's an awesome, like ugly sweater can and it's clove and cranberry. Yes. It's so like- it's named after the, the, the Grinch from the Grinch uh, thing is right. The, because that was one of the things he's called, you know, the, your mean one, Mr. Grinch, the song. Oh, the crocodile. Yeah. Seasick crocodile. Okay. Favorite holiday themed beer. I'm actually drinking or liking rather. Um, we have a brewery here called St. Arnold's. It's the oldest brewery in Houston. So most people have heard of it, but they do a seasonal Christmas ale. And it's just a really nice, classic kind of nutty ale. That sounds good. Excellent. What is the beer style that mo- that best represents Texas? They are into their box, which is like an amber ale. They have a lot of box. They have Crawford Bach, Shiner Bach. I personally, like I said, I'm a I'm a transplant, but I, I would say that it has to be their their box here. Nice. So if if someone was to gift you a beer, Tara, what would be the most exciting beer you could receive under the Christmas tree? Oh, I actually got a really good surprise gift from Parish Brewing in Louisiana recently. So I don't know if anything can top that. They do a, a beer called Ghost in the Machine. Ooh. And then... Twice a year, they do a special release of a double Ghost in the Machine. It's like a double IPA. And then they do something called the Holy Ghost, which is a triple. And I just got some of that, and it's in, like, beautiful gold cans with, like, a skull. So, yeah, look up Parish Holy Ghost, and it's, like, the best early Christmas present ever. Ooh, that sounds so good. Tara, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Come visit me in Houston, Social Beer Garden. It's fun. Do you have any big uh, events coming up there? Yeah, we have um, 
Well, I, I actually, you know, since I'm a nice, soft-hearted boss, I told everyone that they could have Christmas off. Um, but my general manager decided to have a silent night, silent disco. So we're having a late night Christmas silent disco party. We have like 12 DJs, three channels. People are going to get wild because they're sick of their families. That'll be fun. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest tonight, Tara and Glenn. Thank you for always being such an incredible co-host. Everyone, please be sure to tune in next week as we chat with Michael Duckworth, the CEO at True Anomaly Brewing. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club. And this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep. Plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.